There are for me two points of significance in today's sermon. First of all, I said last week, and I just want to repeat that one of the purposes of preaching, in my view, is that in preaching, we get an overall direction for the church. And so it kind of sets the tone for what we're doing in the life of the church and our Bible studies and small groups and evangelism. And so we are here at the beginning of a months-long journey pursuing through prayer and through the Proverbs the wisdom of God. We just started this last week. And what the Bible presents to us is that there are two ways for you to live, two ways for all of us to live, by wisdom or by folly. When the Bible talks about folly, it talks about the foolishness of people, calls it the wisdom of the earth, the wisdom of man. And all of us are living out everyday decisions that we're making in one of those two ways, by wisdom or by folly. The main purpose of Proverbs, as we talked about last week, is to highlight for us the value of godly wisdom and to help us know it. That's why God had Solomon write or collect all of these wise sayings and poetry in Proverbs, is to help us to know wisdom, godly wisdom. And so if you missed that last week, I would encourage you to go back on our church app or on the website and and listen to that introductory sermon, Uh, not because I think it's... Uh, the, the quality of it necessarily, but it is the foundation of what we're going to be talking about over the next several months. But I did leave for you in your handout the definition that we used last week of wisdom. I think it's important for us to come back to that several times as we go through this series. So if you have one of the worship guides and you're a note taker and you want to pull that out and look at them, biblical wisdom is defined this way. This is my definition of biblical wisdom. It is the skill of applying the principles of God's word in any situation so that you can ensure the best possible outcome. And of course, the best possible outcome in any situation is the outcome that God desires. There are some words that are related to wisdom, like knowledge. Knowledge is when you learn God's word. It's when you study, you memorize, so that you know what God's word says. That's what knowledge is. Understanding is another word that's related to wisdom. Understanding is when you get deep insights into what you have learned, into your knowledge. So you study, you memorize, and then God begins to give you insights that you've not had before. You see things in passages that you've not seen before. You're getting understanding. But wisdom is when you take that knowledge and that understanding and you apply it. And you have to know how to apply it rightly. One of the things that you're going to see when we get to the actual Proverbs is some of them appear to be contradictory. Sometimes Proverbs says, you should not answer a fool in their folly. In other words, you shouldn't even respond to someone in their foolishness. But there's another proverb that says, you should answer a fool in his folly so that he is corrected. Why does the Bible give two different ideas? It is because sometimes you need to answer someone, sometimes you don't. Wisdom is knowing how to apply God's Word in any situation you're in, the right response in the situation you you find yourself. That's what wisdom is about. 
And so if we were to condense that definition of wisdom down in your notes, we could condense it, condense it this way. Wisdom is skill in godly living. It is skill in godly living, knowing how to apply the principles of God's word day to day. And that is what we want to pursue as a church together over the next several months. I said today was significant for two reasons. That's the first, that we're at the beginning of this journey through Proverbs. The second point of significance for me is that we are now beginning to turn our eyes to the cross of Jesus during this Easter season. In 12 days, we will gather here as a church on Good Friday to ponder the gospel message and prepare our hearts for two weeks from today that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest moment in human history and the event on which all of our faith is founded. And in God's providence, we are at the perfect place in Proverbs to help us prepare for that Easter weekend and those celebrations and worship gatherings. So let's start this morning from Proverbs 1 and what Nick read to us with this life truth. In your notes, the key to a beautiful life is to hear wisdom. The key to a beautiful life is to hear wisdom. In the first nine chapters of Proverbs, you primarily find poems, poetry. And the poetry in the first nine chapters of Proverbs are designed to motivate you to pursue wisdom. It's to get you geared up to go, okay, that's what I need. That's how I need to live. And here's why. And and in these poems, in this poetry, you will see that Solomon presents two different primary characters and, and both of those characters are to help expose the danger of living as a fool and to underscore the value of living as a wise person. One of the characters we'll get to later, Lady Wisdom. But today, we're introduced to the other one, and that is the father. A loving, wise, caring father. And his role in this poetry is to uncover the danger of living in a foolish way and show you why it is good to pursue wisdom. So in verse 8, we hear this father say this to his son, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, I don't know how many of you put on garland top of your head or pendants around your neck? Some of you do, and the, the and jewelry and things of that nature. But the idea that Solomon is giving us that we can get even today, thousands of years after he, he wrote this, is this picture of, of parents who have a great concern for the outcome of their children's lives. And the garland and the pendants represent a life that is accessorized by beauty. It's a lovely life. 
It's an appealing life. That's the idea that he's presenting. And that beauty comes from living wisely. And the father here is saying to his children, I want your life to be lovely. I want your life to be appealing to others, a beautiful life. And of course, the accessories that he's thinking about are not material. It's character. Character that comes from wisdom, like James talks about. So here, the father is saying to his son, I I want you to put on a strand of gentleness around your neck. I want you to put on a garland, a crown, a hat of sincerity. I want you to adorn your life with purity with peace, with reason. The Bible says Christians should be reasonable people. That means that we should not be harsh and fly off the handle at people we disagree with. That even if people walk away from a conversation with us and they don't agree with anything we said, they should at least be able to say, you know what? They were reasonable. They listened to me. They shared with me. I could talk to them even if I don't agree with them. That's the kind of life the father wants for his son here. A lovely life. If you know someone who's really wise, someone that you have been around or someone that you, maybe was a family member, maybe it was one of your parents, if you know someone who was really wise, it is likely that their life is appealing to you. That you look at it and you say, I'd love to be that way. I'd love to be able to live that way, interact with people that way. And it's because of their wisdom. We're drawn to beauty. And that's the concern of these wise parents in Proverbs 1. They're not concerned with their children having wealth, success, notoriety. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things if the Lord gives it, but what I'm saying is the, these wise parents, that's not their primary concern. Their concern is that their children's life be adorned with the loveliness of wisdom. If you're a parent, then you probably know this, but you know when our kids are young, we can control what comes in and out of their life. But as they age, that becomes less and less the reality. We began to understand as our kids get older that those first 18 or so years that we have with them is really just a time to till soil and plant seeds. And our hope in doing that is that one day those seeds will burst forth in a luscious, healthy garden of good fruit. And so when we read this as a a parent, if we still have young children, children in our home, it is a warning to us because it is really, really easy to let your focus become off-centered as a parent. Ensuring that your kids have a good education, good experiences, abundant provision, those are good things. But they're not the best things. And we should never seek to give our children those things at the expense 
of working the ground and planting spiritual seeds of wisdom in their life. Because that is what will determine the, determine the outcome of how they live. We plant those seeds, we till that soil through our words and through our behaviors. And that should always be priority. But at the same time, we have to address the children. Children, and by the way, all of us in this room are children in one sense. The ultimate and final outcome of our life is not determined by what our parents have done. And it's not determined by what our parents have not done. The final outcome of our life is determined by whether or not we hear wisdom. And even if you grew up in a situation where your parents did not give wisdom and plant those seeds, you've heard wisdom. Wisdom has cried out to you. It's crying out to you right now in this room. And your life will be determined by whether or not you hear. We talked about hearing a lot when we went through that Burn Brightly series in Revelation. You remember Jesus going to each one of the churches and he would say, let him who has an ear hear. And I gave you a definition of hearing during that series and I put it in the notes for today as well. Hearing is constantly practicing, listening and responding. To hear is to constantly practice listening and responding. Listen to what is being said to you and then act on it. Pay attention and act. That is what the Bible means when it says we should hear. And that is what the father is saying in Proverbs 1 to his son. Your mother and I have done our best to instruct you, to teach you. And now it is up to you to hear. We've done everything we can to plant these seeds of wisdom. You need to listen and you need to act. We want you to have wisdom. We want you to have skill of godly living. So you must hear. And the reason we want you to hear so bad is because the real world is coming. And I can't shield you from that forever. You're going to have to live in it. And it is going to try and take your life. So hear wisdom and respond. I would say to us in this room, children, if you had parents who did their best to instruct you in wisdom, you should thank them. That was a gift. Whether or not you agreed with their rules and the way that they guided you or not, if they were trying their best to implant wisdom, it was a gift. Some of us didn't have that. But what we do have is a good, wise, loving, caring, heavenly Father who grants us His wisdom if we ask for it. And He sent us His Son, Jesus. Jesus was the wisest teacher who ever lived. No person on earth was as wise as Jesus. No person was a better teacher than Jesus. And he took 12 men and he tilled the soil of their heart and he planted seeds and he watered seeds. But in the end, one of them still wandered off. 
one of them still left. And it wasn't because Jesus was insufficient in his teaching. It was because Judas refused to hear. He betrayed Jesus and all that he was taught, and his life ended overwhelmed by guilt and regret. And what Proverbs is saying to us today and what we need to hear as a church is that sin is trying to take us all to the same place, a violent end. In your notes, notice in Proverbs 1, first of all, the father's warning. The father's warning to his son is this, sin will always try to entice you with empty promises. Sin will always try to entice you with empty promises. Entice, that's the word the father uses. My son, if sinners entice you, entice carries the idea of alluring you and deceiving you. And sin always employs both. The father mentions that it will sometimes be in the form of a person, someone who will come alongside of you and they will try to convince you to follow after them and to do what they want you to do, even though it is against God. And you're going to have people like that in your life. Some of them you won't recognize right away, but you will have people who will try to get you to go down the wrong path. And the father's warning his son about that. But sin also recruits us directly through our corrupted nature. Sin comes to us and recruits us by promising success, joy, pleasure, even revenge. None of us get to escape this reality. Every single day of your life, sin comes to you. And every single day of your life, sin promises you something. It entices you, it allures you with a promise. Look at Proverbs 1. What the Father says will happen in verse 13. These sinners will come and they will say to you, son, let's go find precious goods. We'll fill our house with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We'll all have one purse. The sinners promising riches, success. This will be good. Come with us. Here's the reality. No one follows sin to be harmed. None of us give in to temptation because we think it's bad for us. We follow sin because we're deceived. Every temptation that you struggle with is promising you something. You may not think of it that way, but you should. Every time you're tempted, that temptation is making you a promise. It's promising you something you desire. The hook is always baited with something that is alluring. And so the father makes a plea to his son. In your notes, the father's plea. Do not choose the foolish path, no matter how desirable it appears. Do not choose the foolish path, no matter how desirable it appears. In verse 10, he says, My son, sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not give in. Do not compromise. In verse 15, he says, Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path. This is a father pleading with his child the same way a parent would yell and scream and beg their toddler that's walking toward a busy street trying to retrieve a ball to turn around and come back. That's the emotion here. 
And the father makes this warning because we see the result of sin in Proverbs 1. First, we see its impact on other people. Solomon says that sin ambushes the innocent and sheds their blood. The innocent here are not people who have never sinned because there are no such people. The innocent are the people who are hurt when you and I follow after our temptations. See, we convince ourselves that there are victimless sins. There are things that we do that it's just us, they don't hurt anybody. That's part of the deception. There are no victimless sins. Everyone, big and small, brings harm. It brings harm to people in your life. They get caught up in our sin. But it also brings harm to us. Look at verse 18 and 19. Incredible what Solomon writes here. These men, these sinners, lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Sin is alluring them to their own death. It's promising them something great. But what it is actually doing is trying to trap them. Sin does the same for us. The devil has not changed his tactics or his ways. Sin comes to us, it entices us, it allures us with something we desire, what Solomon calls greed for unjust gain. And when we say yes to sin, we will be ambushed. Because sin takes away the life of its possessor. Always. No victimless sins. You will hurt others and you will hurt yourself. And the father in Proverbs 1 is pleading that you would believe that. Pleading that you would listen. You have a choice. We all have a choice when sin comes. Promising something that we want. The father is pleading, please listen. Don't go with them. And what Solomon writes here, this fatherly warning, this pleading with his son, I believe we're ultimately to see the care and compassion of our Heavenly Father. We're to see God in Proverbs 1 and how He loves us as a dad, pleading with us to hear His wisdom. The Bible says that God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. God has compassion on all people. He wants people to come and be saved. He wants people to turn to wisdom and live. So he pleads with us to hear and pay attention to what he is saying. To give ourselves to know his word. I was having a text conversation with someone in the church this week and I asked them a question. I was asking them if they were on a particular social media platform and their response to me was, no, I have enough time wasters in my life. It's very blunt. But, you know, we don't always think of it that way. Sometimes I pay attention to all the little things we spend money on. $5 here, $5 there, $10 there, and you get to the end of the week or month or whenever you balance your checkbook and you go, wow, we spent a whole lot of money on little things. What if God gave us a glimpse of our time wasters? 
What if at the end of a month or a year or our life, we saw the accumulated minutes that we wasted? I'm not trying to say that you can't have some reprieves and get on social media and things like that, but it's important for us to think about these things in our life. God wants us to know his word. He wants to give us understanding in his word. And he wants us to hear wisdom. To spend our days applying everything he shows us. Because God has warned us and he's pleaded with us, but he's done more than that. Our Heavenly Father also works for us. In your notes, and I really want us to remember this this Easter season, that God in his great love, in his great wisdom, brought sin to its own violent end at the cross of Jesus. Through faith, you can receive your deliverance. Sin wants to do violence to you. God at the cross did violence to sin. Looking forward to Christ in Isaiah 53, the prophet said this, He is pierced for our transgressions. Pierced. Crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Those are violent words. And that's what happened to Jesus at the cross. The wisest man who ever lived died a fool's death. For you and for me. In our place. God did violence to sin. Our lives don't have to be characterized by bloodstains from our own sin because Jesus has bled for us. We read this morning, Tamar read to us, he suffered that through his own death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver us. So agape, Proverbs 1 this morning, know you are not a slave to your temptation. I'm not saying it's not powerful I'm not saying sin doesn't still have a bite. It does. But you're not a slave to it and don't be convinced that you are. I'm not saying it won't be hard work to kill it. But you're not a slave to it. You are not a slave to foolishness. You don't have to be. Because no matter how alluring that temptation is, no matter how strong that pull may seem, You don't have to go with it. You don't have to put your foot to that path. You may want to, but you don't have to. You don't have to be enticed by it. Your life can be adorned with the beauty of wisdom. You can have a lovely life in wisdom because at the cross, God set an ambush for sin And Jesus took away its life. He took away its power. And you can be delivered if you cry out for wisdom. I want to ask the worship team to come back up. You guys can bring the lights down for a moment. I want us to sing a song together this morning and ponder God's word before we 
move into the rest of our service. I want to ask you as we sing this last song together and we think about this word, I want to ask a couple of questions and then I just want to trust the Holy Spirit is able to deal with each of us in the manner that we need to be dealt with this morning. But based on God's word in Proverbs 1, would you be willing to confess your sins today and ask God to break the enticement of temptation in your life? If you deal with a particular temptation, you know what it is. And if you're not crying out for God to break its power in your life, would you be willing to do that today and believe that He would answer? And would you ask for the beauty of a wise life? For the desire to live wisely and the ability to follow through in hearing wisdom, knowing God's Word, understanding it, and just asking Him to help you to apply it. That's what He wants to do. He wants to give you the kingdom of God, the Word says. And the kingdom of God is a wise kingdom. There is nothing holding you back as a believer from being a wise person other than crying out to God and pursuing it. Would you pray for your children to be wise children? Would you pray for your parents who instilled wisdom in you? Would you pray for your church the people here, that all of us together would desire to be a wise fellowship. Father, I ask this morning, as we sing this song together, you would continue speaking to our hearts. God, if there's anyone here, anyone who is not walking with Christ, because they have never really come to know Him as their Savior, or because they have wandered, would you let right now be the moment they come back? If that is you today, all you have to do is cry out to him. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Believe that promise and ask him today to be your savior, to deliver you from foolishness and sin, and to give you a wise life. Father, would you help this church all of our leaders, all of our servants, all of our members, our visitors, our family here, God, would you let us be wise people? Let us desire wisdom, God, the beauty of a wise life, wise character. Help us to push aside our time wasters. Give ourselves to the knowledge of God and the understanding of your word and apply it rightly. God, would you pour wisdom out on us? Cause us to cry out for it and pour wisdom out on us as a church. Please, God. Father, speak to our hearts and let us respond, hearing in Jesus' name. Sing together. Let's pray together. If you need someone to pray with you, come find me. We'll make sure someone prays with you. If God is dealing with you about your relationship with him this morning, before you leave here today, please come and talk to me. We'll get together and we'll discuss what God is saying to your heart. If you would, assume some posture of worship. Let's worship together through singing.